what you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual Reliant K fans with a podcast pending in the California Municipal Court System. Both podcast hosts have agreed to share their thoughts on the first two songs, off five score and seven years ago. But will they plead the fifth, or come right out and say it? Find out next on Sadie Hawkins Pod. So, Jess. Yes. Are you ready to plead the fifth, or are you going to come right out and say it? I'm going to come right out and say it. Um, But before I do, I kind of wanted to throw it back to last week and the one I'm waiting for. Objection. (laughs) Overruled. You know the lingo. (laughs) So, I, I was thinking about, after we recorded last week... That I wish that there was a female cover where they didn't change the pronouns. Because if you think about it, it becomes a whole new song. If, say, it was about a girl singing, like, to her crush uh-huh. about the girl that he's chasing after. Uh-huh. So she's still waiting for him to be the one she's waiting for. But he's, like, running around after this other girl who's, like thinks she's so cool and with it and what everybody wants like he's chasing after the popular girl and she's the nerdy girl that's pining after him Mm. maybe this is because i was always that girl (laughs) (laughs) but i was just thinking that i would have loved to have seen a cover with that where maybe like you put the emphasis on different words and maybe you add in like pauses in different places so that you get that it's there's like three people in the song yeah, you could definitely rework. That's a good idea. You could rework this song to be about three characters instead of just that song, last week's song. You could take that song and make it into three characters, not just two. That would be interesting. Well, we also have other news from last week. The the lesser of the two, the, the, the sort of less creepy, weird, like one, is that band in what I thought was Italy that was like performing in a garage with all that smoke and light and they were playing really heavy. I thought they were in like a downstairs kind of club. I thought that they were in We couldn't tell because there was all that smoke. But basically I figured out I think they were in in Portugal. Oh, okay. Because I just, it all looked Italian to me but then when I looked at the, when I looked at the video there was not a lot of text or explanation Mm -hmm. or even like I couldn't figure out what the name of the band that was doing that cover was. Right. But then I just took the language in the description and put it into auto translate and Ah. it said Portuguese. I'm like, Ah. oh. Um, But the other weird news from last week is the day that we came out with the episode in which we talked about that Rutger Hauer. Yeah. And uh, uh, who was it? Let me look real, real quick. Uh, Rutger Hauer and Miranda Richardson. Someone had made a video where they wanted those two real life people to be a couple. So they said it to the one I'm waiting for. And it's really odd because it's just the first few seconds of their video is just footage of them in Nazi costumes (laughs) because the first movie they ever did together, they were playing Nazis. But Rutger Hauer died the same day that that episode came out. Yeah, R.I.P. Rutger Hauer. Yeah, we have a uh, the Sadie Hawkins pod curse has already begun. Oh, no. Any celebrity we talk about is going to die. Oh, no. I know. So look out. I'm trying to think of someone funny to name, but I don't want anyone to actually die. Jeez. I don't want to be responsible. Um, 
Yeah, but also, if you want to, we can play some voicemail that we got since last week. Oh! Right? Okay. So here, let me play this. Hello, Dan and Jess. This is me, Jimmy Stewart, calling from the grave. That does not sound anything like Jimmy Stewart. It doesn't? Well, he's calling from the grave, so it might be some guy trying to con us. No, we don't have any voicemail since last week. I used to do a Jimmy Stewart impression, but I haven't tried in many years. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Call us. We're clearly very lonely. Yes, yeah, so please send us some voicemails. We had so many last week, none this week. So please call us at 40295-SADIE. It's a Nebraskan phone number that we got <laughs> off of Google Voice. So <laughs> if you live in Nebraska, it's a local call for you. And you can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. Yes. We realize we keep forgetting to do the plugs at the end of the show, so we're going to start doing them at the beginning from now on. <laughs> um, so this week we are talking about the first two songs off of Five Score and Seven Years Ago. And this is the first episode we've done where I wasn't able to find time in my work week to do research on finding people's covers and stuff. So I was looking for those covers with Jessica next to me, so... Some of them she's already heard. We heard both of them together. But other ones, I was just like, oh, this looks like an interesting person. I won't even listen to it. We're going to listen to them together at the very same time because otherwise they'd be spoiled for both of us. So that'll be an interesting experiment when we get to the cover section. Um, Yeah, but Plead the Fifth, uh, well, five score and seven years ago. Yes. Where were you when this album came out, Jessica? (laughs) I'll keep asking you these questions. You would think by Where, now I would have learned to like prepare my answer, like look specifically when it would like, nope, 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 not going to say specifically anymore. <laughs> taking that back. Taking that back. Please leave this in. You, nope, taking uh, it back. <laughs> you should leave this in and just say that you say the word specifically too much. That is something that I've noticed in editing. I say the words like, which everyone does way yeah, too you much. Can't, you can't really blame yourself for that. But also I use the word specifically a terrible amount, like way more than any person should should use. At that least word. you don't use the word literally. No, I hate the way people use literally. I know, and I know. a lot of people. That's hate why, the though, because I know it's a Danny pet peeve. Yeah, but this is a pet peeve that a lot of people have, and I I kind of know why people overuse the word literally because they felt like at some point in like the last ten years, people certain certain kinds of people I could name were like. <laughs> If I use the word literally, then they'll know I mean it. My brain is literally exploding. And then you're supposed to be like, oh my God, their brain is literally exploding. I have to stop doing what I'm doing. Get them to the hospital. (laughs) Exactly. I don't remember what I was going to say anymore. <laughs> Where were you oh, when five it. score and seven years ago You would came think out. I would look this up ahead of time and know when it was released so I could tell you exactly when. So now I need to go look that up real quick. Okay, March 6, 2007. So, in college. Yes, and this is the first Reliant K album that came out after we'd met each other. That's right. Because we first met, and I've been getting these years wrong here and there in the first few episodes, but I always think we, I always feel like we met in 2006 because that was our first full year of college, but we actually started in fall of 2005. Right. So we met sort of casually just like hi you're a person we know each other we know we exist in the same space yeah, in, in like 2005 Novem- in, i think like november or december yeah. of 05 but I it think wasn't it was until november. 2006 that we actually started becoming friends right and actually knowing each other so 
this is the first Reliant K album that came out after that. I don't know if this would have come out after the famous Jess and Danny story of us actually having a conversation and me saying, who's your favorite band? And you saying, I don't know if you've ever even heard of them. And I'm like, try it. And you say Reliant K. And I'm like, oh, I have Matt Tyson's email. (laughs) I don't know if this album would have come out after that. I think it would, this would have, no, this would have been after that. Yeah. Yeah. But we saw this, we definitely saw them. Apathetic EP would have been out already though. Yeah. Oh, and we get to Apathetic EP. Yeah, Apathetic EP came out in support of them. Hmm. Exactly. So that, and um, we definitely would have seen Reliant K after this album together. Yes. At the tour. I actually have to look up the name of the tour. I don't remember who opened for them, but it was at the House of Blues in downtown Disney. We saw them together. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was the tour where they did, they uh, brought out like a set of a campfire. Yes. And they played a Weezer song. I think it was Surf, Surf Wax it was America. Surf Wax America, yeah. And I remember it was so sad because they come out and he's like, and Matt Teason's like, so we picked this song because we thought it would be, we all as a group, you, the audience, and us as the band would sing it together, but hasn't been working out that way because <laughs> oh, these, no. these children in 2007 who probably, because I was like in my early 20s, you were about 19, they weren't much younger than us right but this is when like much younger kids are starting to learn about reliant k because this right. was their biggest selling album right and they don't know who weezer are and weezer and now we're even another decade off from that but even then yeah. like a decade and a couple years off of away from weezer's blue album those children i'm sorry <laughs> i could call them children i now Danny, because Danny, they're 10 no, years young stop. We, we're really connecting with the younger audience yes. right now. We need to keep being cool. I know. We have a 19-year-old listener. I know. He didn't call us again this week. Uh-oh. But he, he might have realized we're not cool. We are no longer relating to the younger generation. No. But, <laughs> but also, this album uh, is sort of the beginning of me being aware of Outdoorsy Reliant K. Which is a theme that carries on through their whole <laughs> their whole rest of their career yeah. up to now. Because I mean, maybe Matt Thiessen and Matt Hoops always love being outdoors, but like it was never felt like a part of their their sort of persona as a band, like right. not a part of their art that would come along with the music. And they on the tour they had the campfire, and on the cover of this they're outside in their parkas <laughs> or whatever you call these type of coats. Yeah, they had a lot of those like. Um that outdoor really cute like drawn nature art yeah birds and stuff like that yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like a subtle thing outdoorsiness of reliant k might have been subtle up to this point but i think it's starting with five score and seven years ago where outdoorsiness which is not a word but that becomes totally entwined in their personality as a band up to the cover of forget not slow down and the cover of uh air for free and this, some of the songs themselves become more about that. Little departure with Collapsible Lung. Yeah. <laughs> but between, so our, this is also the lineup, the band lineup of who we've seen the most right. together of Reliant K. Because I saw, I still haven't tallied up all the times I saw them before I met you, but maybe I saw what people think of as the classic lineup with Brian and Dave mm-hmm. more. I don't know if I ever saw... Uh, the original drummer, Steve, but uh, I, know, I have no idea if he was in the band the first time I saw the saw them. Right. But I know I saw Dave, Brian, Matt, and Matt like he, so many times because they were just touring, touring, touring so much for those first three albums. 
and coming through where I lived at the time. So I might have possibly seen them more than we saw this lineup together. No, yeah, because we saw this lineup probably six times. Yeah, the cur- there, the we got to a point where I could not keep track of how many times I had yeah. seen Reliant K. Live, which is nice. <laughs> which is super nice. But this is the main lineup that I've seen. Yeah. Is with Matt, Matt, John, and John. And it, then with like different drummers. And this might actually be for like the world as a whole, mm-hmm. what people think of as the classic lineup, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe for like. 2000s christian kids the 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 brian and dave lineup might Mm -hmm. be considered the classic lineup it's actually a lot like the ramones you know what i'm thinking of this right now but a lot of people because there's basically tommy people and there's marky people right Mm -hmm. there's people who think of the band the original like the classic lineup Mm -hmm. of the ramones is the one with tommy in it but when you think of the Ramones appearing in media and television shows and movies and here and there, you it's think Marky. of Marky, yeah. right? Like you and me, we really think of the Ramones as Marky. Yeah. But so many other people do think of the Ramones as Tommy. So right. you have these sort of two classic lineups. So that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Both bands start with an R. Both <laughs> bands are punk AF. Um, yeah. There you go, Dan. Connecting with the kids again. I like it. Yeah. So five score and seven years ago, Jessica, do you know why this album has its name? (laughs) We were talking about this before the show and Jessica's like, I found this interview where Tyson explains why the album, it's the live at Capitol Records uh, video and and, uh, acoustic video. And Jessica's like, "I, I saw this interview where he explains where the album name comes from. And I had never looked it up to confirm, but I'm like, because there's five members and they had seven, their band was seven years old at the time. And she's like, you suck. <laughs> she was, she's and like, because whatever. it's their fifth album. Yeah, and it was their fifth album. I just always just, I just figured that. I kind of just figured that out at the time. I'm like, oh, five albums. They got five members now, seven years ago. I never needed to confirm. I'm like, that's got to be what it is. And just, I just think you just never thought about it. You were just like, oh, it just sounds like an album. Just sounds I, like an album name. Did you? Am I putting no, words I in think your mouth? I, yeah, no, I think I got it. I just oh, okay. didn't really think about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I didn't, it's funny, I have a lot of favorite songs off of this album, but I didn't really think of this album as five score and seven years ago because I liked a lot of the singles off Mm -hmm. of this. That's another thing we should say about this album is it's the first album that came out for us in the iPod generation, right? Like this is the first album that I didn't buy a physical copy and I don't know if did you know I had. I talked about this a couple episodes ago that because okay. you asked me what which cover I had of Two Lefts. And right. I was like, I didn't have a cover because I had been using iTunes since I was an early adopter, since right, I was right, like right, 15 right. years old. Yeah, but I'd been buying music a couple years before you. Yeah. Right. I was going to record stores or CD stores, actually, and buying CDs. But this is the first album that I didn't buy a physical copy of until this year. <laughs> Right. I, I did buy, I mean, like, I bought the self-titled immediately on CD, and then I bought Mm-hmm on CD, and also the Apathetic EP, and I actually got, I don't remember if I was, like, part of the fan club or what it was, but I was able to, through maybe pre-order, get the Apathetic EP signed. Ooh. So it came signed yes, by all I've the band members. Yeah. Um, but for me, this album came out, and now I'm, like, starting to transition into having an iPod mm-hmm. and um, being an, uh, an, uh, a 
little pirate and I'm just downloading oh, my music. No. Oh no, I'll admit it. It was wrong. <laughs> it was wrong. I know that, you know, I know pirating music is wrong now, but now you have streaming. Which Would is... you steal a car? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? If I needed to get around. Um, yeah, so. Sadie Hawkins spot does not condemn car <laughs> No, stealing. we don't. I'm saying 2007 Danny was starting to get into, like, I had, like, what was it called, Oink or something? Like, I was getting on these torrent sites that were, like, you had to know someone to get you into them and all that stuff. Ink's Pink, Oink's Pink Palace? Pink's Oink Palace? It was something like that. Anyway, I probably downloaded, I think I downloaded this album, and I picked out songs that I liked, and I put them on my iPod. So, unfortunately, I, you know, I admit it. I was wrong. I, I don't need to plead the fifth. I'm coming right out and I'm saying it. I was wrong. I pirated this album. And I didn't buy a physical copy until we're like, well, I need to give back to the band. And and we bought a physical copy. Please forgive me, Relying K. This album was also their top-selling album of all time. Yeah, they didn't need me to buy a copy. <laughs> if anything, I was leaving a copy on the shelf for someone else who needed to find it. That's a good excuse. That's a good reason. It, it's funny. I always think about mm-hmm, and I'm like, this feels like it has to be the top-selling album because of Be My Escape being the big radio hit that it was, mm-hmm. like, in the secular mainstream market. Right. But this was, I guess, because this was the album after, and it was Goatee and Capital released right. it. Right. Like, it was a co-release. Yeah. Oh, sort of an interesting fact about this album also is that not only is this the first time that they have five members in the band, but it was the first time that all of the members of the band were living in a different city when they went into the writing process. Ooh. How do you do that? I'm just kidding. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But also 2007, so no like Skype or anything like that. Yeah, a little bit tougher. Yeah. Guess conference calling. Yeah like to know more about that. I was thinking that we need to, you know, we're sort of starting off these first few episodes going into the each first song off the each album and just getting a general feeling for where we were with the band during each album and then discussing those songs. But as we start getting into more songs off each album, I'd like to start learning more in depth about like the producer, like looking for interviews, talking about the producers that worked with them and actual like decisions the band was making for the each album that's not something we're really delving into too much now but hopefully as we get further into more songs off each album that's something i'd like to start figuring out because this album does have a much different sort of vibe than the last one it's a lot heavier Mm -hmm. like in general there's Mm -hmm. a it's 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 their metal album quote unquote Because I know, because a couple, a year or two ago, you were like, oh, I don't even really like Five Score and Seven Years Ago. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's so many, we might have talked about this in a previous episode as well, but you were like, I don't really like Five Score and Seven Years Ago. I'm like, what are you talking about? This song's on it? That song's on it? What's on it? Because there's songs that we talk about all the time, like Faking My Own Suicide and Up and Up and The Best Thing. And you're like, those songs are off that album? I'm like, yeah. And you're like, oh. I think I bought a lot of these as singles. Like, The Best Thing, I know for a fact I got The Best Thing and must have done something right as singles because Mm -hmm. they didn't even have proper album artwork. Must have done something right was like this like mint green color with just were with just like writing that's that was like, it that's, that's like our cover <laughs> as a podcast yeah. it was kind of like that and so yeah i know that i had the best thing must have done something right 
and Faking My Own Suicide and Up and Up. I know that those are four songs that I really loved yeah. and maybe didn't even necessarily connect with being a part of this album. But also, like you mentioned, we were in college when this came out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just like it was a very, you know, what college is like. It's, it's, it's a busy time. It's a very busy time. You don't have time to like do all the same kind of pursuits you had before and like yeah. getting super in-depth with every band exactly. that you're listening to. So I think that it, it ended up that this album and then Forget and Not Slow Down did pass me by as like entire albums mm-hmm. a little bit versus just like the singles off of them or the songs that I found and listened to and was like oh I really like this and just bought it right there off of iTunes right so that's where yeah so that's kind of where we were when this album came out so we can start talking about the first two songs there is there's a little short song called pleading the fifth acapella and on the back of the cd there's an asterisk I don't know where that... Oh, produced by Mark Lee Townsend and Matthew Thiessen. It's because Mark Lee Townsend did not produce this entire album, but he did produce the earlier ones, I believe. So all he produced on this album was Pleading the Fifth Acapella, Crayons Can Melt on Us for All I Care, and Deathbed. So he did the two sort of jokey Mm -hmm. short songs and then the longest song (laughs) that they've Mm -hmm. ever recorded. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I was talking about how um, this was the latest I've ever done research for the podcast. Like I could not find time to get the covers for Come Right Out and Say It. But then when we got to Plead the Fifth, we were literally sitting down to record and I was like, oh no, I didn't look at Plead the Fifth at all. Like I didn't look on YouTube. (laughs) I didn't look on Bandcamp. I didn't look on Google. I didn't do any of it. So we're sitting down and you're hearing me finding these covers while we're getting ready to record. Um, so also, I didn't know if I had, I wouldn't really have a lot to say about the song, but I did find, and normally this is your domain on the podcast, but since this was the short song, I'll be in charge. I guess I'll do it. Um, the lyrics after they get through the little lead up to it are that night at the theater an impersonator died. Mr. Booth was tried. I just kept the truth inside and in the courtroom the judge will not catch wind of this. Up there on the stand, I'll plead the fifth. So there's like this vague thing to Abraham Lincoln, but it's kind of like a revisionist thing. It's like, I guess, an impersonator of Abraham Lincoln died. And and uh, John Wilkes Booth wasn't killed while they were on the Deep manhunt for him. conspiracy theories here. And then I never, I kind of never paid attention to the lyrics of the song, right? I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he, yeah. And then the the album title is called Five Score and Seven Years Ago, which is a, a reworked thing from Abraham Lincoln. Right. So what are they trying to tell us? <laughs> well, we don't have to figure it out. Does because, this have a deathbed tie-in? Oh, but what if it turned out it was Abraham Lincoln? Wouldn't that be cool? It'd be like a alternate reality science fiction story. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, actually. I, I would enjoy that. Well, we don't need to figure out what the song Plead the Fifth is about because on songmeetings.com people have figured it out for us. Ward on March 11th, uh, March 18th, 2007, so hey, the, the album was barely just a couple days old, he said, I don't know why, but it seems that this, like, this is about Lincoln's assassination. <laughs> they refer to him as an impersonator. I guess he is assuming the role of someone who knows that Booth was not the killer or that knows that it was an impersonator. But that is the simple meaning. Knowing them, it might actually mean something. <laughs> what? <laughs> Catchy sound to the song. Nice opening to the CD. 
uh, let's see, hide underscore seek. Again, March 19th, 2007. People were ready to talk about this album when it came out. That's a dope name, though. Hide underscore seek. Yeah. I mean, it's hide and the under. It's not the word underscore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know why I, I thought you thought it was otherwise. I, I really wish, though, that people would, would in their usernames, Use actually spell out underscore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do that now. There's an unproven theory that Booth wasn't shot by the police. A lookalike double agent, James Will William Boyd, was shot instead. The theory goes on to say that the government did lots of stuff to cover it up. Blah, blah. But the point is that this little short song is sort of a reversal of roles or something. That an Abraham Lincoln lookalike died instead of the real dude. Phew! That was quite a long. That was quite long and boring. Kudos to anyone who actually read my paraphrase of the theory. Well, kudos to anyone who listens to us talk about your paraphrase for three hours. Listen, hide underscore seek. There were no government presidential assassinations until Kennedy. Everybody knows that. How do you feel about the shape of the earth, Jessica? (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) Oh, this is a nice little, this is smart cookie, spell with a Y, lets us know that pleading the fifth is talking about the Fifth Amendment. From Wikipedia, oh, again, again, this is 2007, so I didn't even know Wikipedia was around in 2007. To plead the Fifth is a refusal to answer a question because the response could form self-incrimination, self-incriminating evidence. So I guess what we see, so I guess what I see the song as saying is that Abraham Lincoln didn't die, an impersonator did, but whoever is, quote-unquote, I in the song knows the truth but is, quote-unquote, pleading the fifth and not saying anything. This song is really deep. This song's scary, actually. You think Deathbed is the most upsetting song on this CD? I'm starting to get a little creeped out about this song because, like, oh, my gosh, there's all these conspiracies and people died, but maybe they didn't die. This is this is creepy. This is scary. I love it. I love a good mystery to solve. Let's call it Nancy Drew. <laughs> well... So I pulled up a couple of covers for this song. I was surprised that there were covers. You know, it took me a long time to actually find covers for Come Right Out and Say It. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I found covers for Plead the Fifth almost immediately. The first cover (laughs) is the U.S. the, The ISU Cleft Hangers. 2011 spring concert. Because it turns out that acapella groups just love singing this song. This is a really bad video. I didn't send it to you. I'm just playing the audio, but it's uh-huh. like a, one of those classic slightly cursed things where everyone <laughs> is just made out of giant <laughs> pixels and JPEGs. Right. It's only 2011 as well. And then there's a guy right in front. Just There's just a guy's shoulder in a, cor- a third of the, of the footage. Do you want to see the image? Sure. I do appreciate the, the punny names 
of acapella groups. That's all. I can, it's the only thing I appreciated about acapella groups. Acapella groups and improv groups. It's like you just have to have the worst names possible. They're always puns or they're just like bad. Uh, also, jokes. I do want to say I like this acapella song and I'm not a huge acapella fan. Mm. I have Why a, not? I don't know. I have a friend who listens to, I don't know, what's that really famous one? The Tectonics or something? I don't know. Oh, what the Pentatonics? It, that's it. She listens to that and I in the car sometimes and I'm just like, ugh. I don't know what it is. It's, I apologize. Oh, do you know who's really good? Who's an acapella band? Who? Naturally Seven. Oh, that's right. <laughs> We've seen them a couple of times because they were always touring with Michael Bublé. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because Danny looks like a little old Russian woman. I tied a white t-shirt over my head because it's so hot that I'm sweating a little bit. So I tied my I, I tied an old white t-shirt over my head like a babushka. Just to keep the sweat. We have another cover from William Nova. Willie Nova? What's this called? <laughs> Villanova. I've heard of that. <laughs> Villanova University. They did a cover of Must Have Done Something Right and Plead the Fifth. So let's just hear their Plead the Fifth cover. They're a little off. <laughs> the, 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 which is funny that the video that's shot much better, they don't sound as good, but the video that's shot horribly, they, they sound pretty good. We also have... <laughs> Please take the thing off your head. I cannot take you seriously. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Ooh, and... You know, we've mentioned him before, but my friend who I used to go to Reliant K concerts with all the time and Reliant K remembered my name and his name mm-hmm. was my friend Johnny Wright. Well, here we have Jonathan Allen Wright oh. doing a cover of Pleading the Fifth. <laughs> I like that one a lot. (laughs) That's just SoundCloud. (laughs) Picking something else. That was very Beach Boys-esque. Which which the the actual song Plead the Fifth is also very Beach Boys-esque, so I like that a lot. Yeah, this is kind of keep along with their Beach Boys. um, Who is a big inspiration for Matt Thiessen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just sent you a video that you'll actually have to play on your computer. Okay. So that you can see a little bit of it. This is called Plead the Fifth Hamster Style. Oh, what? what? Okay, (laughs) hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's basically, it's funny that they call that hamster style because that's basically Nightcore, which we're going to talk about a Nightcore version of Come Right Out and Say It. Oh, I don't know what that is. Nightcore is where you just take a song and you speed it up. Oh, it's and then the you opposite of Vaporwave. Yeah, actually it is. Um, but you just take a song, you speed it up, and you put some anime art when you upload it. That's Nightcore. That, that's semi-Vaporwave-esque, though. <laughs> which is um, the opposite. So this person made a Nightcore version of Hamster Style. I mean, <laughs> I made it... <laughs> They made a nightcore version of Pleading the Fifth, but they called it Hamster Style. But what's odd about the video, it's from 2007. Oh, the album had only been out a month. And the video is of this person in their bedroom on a 2007 camera. So it's super pixelated, super washed out colors. They're wearing this hat. Looking very 2007. Looking very 2007. And there's like a nuclear holocaust happening in the window over their shoulder. (laughs) Just another Reliant K fan cursed in their bedroom video. Yep. So much green and purple. Sent you another video. Okay. I don't have to play the audio from this one because it's just the audio from the album. So you can just listen to it on your headphones. But someone put together a little edit of the song. Tell me what you think of this one. Red Panda's do rock. (laughs) Interesting. It is, is a it? it is a slideshow of red pandas. Red pandas, the animal, the uh, red pandas. At first, I was like, "Oh, is the red pandas like some team?" No, they're actual red pandas <laughs> set to this song. Oh, that's so cute. I don't know if this deepens Aww. the conspiracy theory at all. Like somehow, a red panda was to blame for the false assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and last one. Let us see. One more cursed <laughs> one more cursed fan video. Again, it's the real song, so you can just watch the video okay. with your headphones on. Tell me what you think of this. Oh, this is like an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Again, June 2007, the album is this brand new. This is the new. most Lynchian thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Even more than the... Portuguese band from last week. This yeah. is Lynchian. It's a guy in a suit in, in black, black and, and white. white with like false film scratches all over. He cuts it really well. He keeps cutting to handheld camera again, you know, basically selfie style. Yeah. And then to to the camera down. And it and cuts into his like his feet. Yeah, his feet and his mouth his close up. And then it's like he's got some medium shots in there. And, and he's just lip syncing along to the song. Yeah. Wow. It's nice how songs can inspire other art. Um, so that's about it for <laughs> Plead the Fifth. I want to move on. This song's too spooky. From the <laughs> premise of the song to the fact that there's no instruments, that just scares me. <laughs> to the fan videos it inspired, Red Pandas, they always creep me out. I don't want anything to do with this song anymore. So I, I apologize for the delirious nature of this episode. It's hot. We discussed it. Let's just be sincere and come right out and say it. It is one hot ass day. It really is. So, and we can't, if we could have the air conditioner on, but Jessica's like, no, I want the podcast to sound good. So, come right out and say it. The first, like, full song off of this album. And just a little peek behind the curtain. It is so hot that we 
paused right there and we took a little cool down break <laughs> and Jessica was rocking out to some LMNT, LMNTO. Element. Element. The, the, the boy band from the early 2000s. <laughs> who in a way are kind of the closest band there is to Reliant K when you really think about it. Who also we mentioned last week when I was talking about concerts I had been to before Reliant right. K. <laughs> Yep. We're in a better attitude to talk about the main song, much cooler in this apartment. Engineer April is doing great. She's lying on the floor, mm-hmm. nice and cool. She's fine. Uh, but we are ready to come right out and say it, what we think of this song. So, Jessica. Yes. Why don't you just come right out and say it? You think you're being so kind. Why don't you just come right out and say what you think of this song? <laughs> This is a song that I had not listened to in probably a few years. Right, because we never really listened to this CD as a whole too as much. A whole, I have much, yeah. over the last couple of years on streaming. Right. But we, neither of us ever owned a copy. And like you said, you basically listened to it by select songs you bought off iTunes. Yeah, yeah. I had listened to this song before. And I wasn't a huge fan. Like, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. However, over the past week of prep that I've been doing for this episode... I have started to enjoy it a lot more. It's very catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like this song a lot. I actually mm-hmm. like this album, which is crazy that this is the album, the first album that I didn't buy legally, mm. <laughs> because I have more of a connection to the songs on this album as a whole mm. than I do to... Mm-hmm. We talked about it last week, but basically I understand that artistically mm-hmm, was a... like the band kind of reaching a pinnacle at that point like they'd taken the first three albums and finally like taken everything they learned from those and made what's essentially a perfect album in their fourth album right but for whatever reason those songs maybe it's because i didn't form as many very specific happy memories with those songs that i did with the first three albums I don't have an attachment to those actual tunes. Mm-hmm. Not the album, not to criticize the album, it's just each individual song on mm-hmm, I don't have a direct emotional positive overwhelmingly positive mem- memory of those songs. For some reason with this out al- with this album, I do have that. I think it's because this is around the time we met and this is the time <laughs> around the time we're listening to Reliant K together and we're you know, going to see them live in Orlando and then when we moved out of Orlando and all that. Mm -hmm. So I really like this album as a whole. It's a lot heavier, like right off the bat compared to the previous album. I think I mentioned this at the top of the show, but, you know, it it, it has like a heavier guitar on most of the songs than you would have found on Mm Mm-hmm. It is a perfect companion piece to mm-hmm, though. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in the same vein. It's from the same era right. of Reliant K. It's clearly, it's, it's very obviously where Two, two Lefts and um, Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek are sort of like built upon each other. Like they're sort of album right. sequels to each other. Right. You can see how mm-hmm starts a new chapter and this album sort of built upon an even stronger foundation for yeah. the album for the band as a whole. So I really like this song a lot because I like almost all the songs on this album. Um, this kind of listening back to it this week, I was also thinking like it's subtle, but there's sort of a it's talking about this song specifically now. 
it's subtle, but there's sort of a a timestamp on it that I didn't quite hear at the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But I'm actually I actually listened to it. And I'm like, there's a vague thing in here that basically re- makes me think of like dance punk was happening by 2007. Like you have the Killers and you have uh, Panic at the Disco and uh, and maybe some later My Chemical Romance can be put in that thing. But then Paramore definitely has some stuff like that. It's basically what you think of as like big arena mm-hmm. post pop punk, like this this next sort of like stadium version of pop punk. This has that kind of vibe, like The Killers, in a way. Mm. It kind of has that sort of, like, very emotional but very heavy rock tone to it. Which is, I feel, separate from what people think of as emo core and that sort of thing. Like, this is almost like... It's it's a little less teenage. Like, emo core is almost like a sort of a teenage thing, even if the band themselves aren't necessarily, it like appeals to that, right? Yeah. I'm not downgrading it. I think this that. still appeals to, to teenage. Yeah, no, it does. But then when I think of dance punk, what's called dance punk, I think of it is a slightly more mature version of that. Hmm. And that's where I think the, like they didn't quite, Reliant K never got into it. I don't, some people would say it, I don't agree that Reliant K might've had like an emo phase. I definitely don't think that at all. I think this is more like, their sort of stadium rock album. Yeah, alternative. Yeah. It's, it's all a real alternative. The, the next song, I Need You, is, to me, very heavy and mm-hmm. My Chemical romance Right. But it's, it's, it's interesting that I've always felt that Relying K, and we've talked about this before, but I always felt that Relying K really... It doesn't exactly follow trends, Mm-hmm. But they kind of know but, the temperature of the world around them at a time. Yeah. It's actually really similar to They Might Be Giants up to a point where They Might Be Giants, each album has the tone of the period it was made in. Like their album, John Henry, just has from a producing aspect, has a very, and that was released in 94, it has a very like, we're in the middle of the grunge era, mm-hmm. right? And then their album, Flood which was released in 1990, the producing style has that very slick, like, mall pop sound to it, even though the songs are completely not like that at all. They're, that's one of their most classic albums. That's where Istanbul, not Constantinople, and Particle mm-hmm. Man and all the songs are on. Right. But when you listen to the, the, the instrumentation on that and the producing, it has that very slick, early 90s thing you would think of, that very nostalgic mm-hmm. tone. So I think Relan K kind of... And maybe it's the producers they work with, or maybe... I don't think it's the songs that Matt Thiessen or the rest of the band would be writing at the time. I think it might just be the way they approach each album. They kind of have a vibe for what's going on in the world around them, and they take those unique personal songs that Matt and the rest of the band write, and they kind of are able to shape it into something that fits the mold or fits the shelf at the time. And this sounds to me like 2007, but it was a little bit more vague than that like at the time i didn't think oh i'm listening to another 2007 pop Mm -hmm. rock album i felt it was different i felt it was a little Mm -hmm. different i felt like i was listening to classic reliant k just a little heavier but Mm -hmm. now when i listen back to it i hear that that tone of 2007 yeah i was gonna say i kind of do and don't agree with you on that (laughs) i think some of them are very uh, the thing i think that i just really love about the first three albums 
is that they weren't necessarily what was popular at the time. They were very much just doing their own thing and whatever was, you know, in between 2000 and 2004, they were just completely doing their own thing. And then with mm-hmm, and every subsequent album after that, it has been in the style of what is sort of the popular music of the time. And that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Bands absolutely can and should grow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that, and we talked about this last week with why we don't necessarily revisit mm-hmm a lot, mm-hmm. is because it, it does feel very 2004. Yeah. It does feel very of its time. And this album, yeah. I actually feel, doesn't have as much of that, or at least the songs that I like to revisit off this album are timeless. <laughs> with being cheesy, but like are, they're, they're sort of timeless, like the best thing and must have done something right, and faking my own suicide don't really fall into what was popular at the time, whereas like whereas like this song and I Need You and some of the other heavier kind of songs off this album mm-hmm. do fall into that category a little bit. Right. If you want to dig into the lyrics on this song. Sure. Let's do it. So if you remember how I talked, we talked about how Pressing On almost works as a sequel song to Hello McFly, because in Hello McFly, you're, it's all about being worried about the past and the mistakes you've made and wishing you could go back and change them. And then Pressing On is like the next step up from that, where it's accepting your mistakes and going forward and learning from them. This song is almost kind of a like a sequel in a way to the one I'm waiting for. Because the one I'm waiting for, you have a couple that's like on the skids, like they're having some sort of trouble. Mm-hmm. And the song itself, as we talked about, I feel leaves it open where you could say it's a song about a breakup or you could say it's a song about a couple having trouble that they might work through. It all depends on what you as the listener bring to the song. Whereas this song is clearly about a couple that is about to break up. It's That's what it is, right? So... You don't have to think of it as a sequel to the one I'm waiting for, but you you could take this song if you wanted to and weave a narrative. Um, I don't know. I can't, there's no. I don't. Didn't bother looking up if this song is about the same person that last week's song was about. I personally, it doesn't really matter to me. I think this song speaks to people who have gone through this kind of situation where you basically are in a relationship where you know things aren't right and you kind of know you would be better apart but neither of you wants to hurt the other one where you still Mm -hmm. kind of care about each other and love love each other but you're not working out together and one of you eventually says just just say it like we're both beating around the bush maybe one of you wants to break up more than the other maybe one of you thinks it could work but the other one is not going to you know so it leaves that sort of it leaves a little bit of that gray area that the one I'm waiting for had but it's clearly about a couple that's about to break up yeah do you know what that's like Dan yeah, I know a little bit what that's like. <laughs> Has there ever been anyone that you're just like, hey, just come right out and say it to? Yeah, I've been in a situation like that before. <laughs> and maybe years later, whenever I talk about that story, maybe that person is like, shut up. I don't know. Maybe she feels bad when I bring up that story from from my past, from our past. And she's like, I don't want to think about that. And I'm like, it's fine. It all worked out in the end. Because literally the, the story in this song happened to Jessica and I. <laughs> Which is 
funny because now that I think about it, this was the album out at the time. But um, yeah, it, Jessica and I at one point. But it was it was from before. This was our our come right out and say it was before this album came out. Oh, was it? It was. We dated briefly in 2006 and got back together in 2007. When did we get back together? Do you remember the date? What did what, what movie did, did we cuz one of our <laughs> one of our first dates was Clerks 2 and the other first date was Knocked Up. Yes, and I can never remember which one came out when. <laughs> Let's look it up real quick. Also epic first date movies. <laughs> Clerks 2 came out in July 2006. Okay. So that was our first date and Knocked Up was our second date. So yeah, so we dated around July 2006 and then probably August 2006 uh Jessica's not really returned on my calls like we still see each other at school she's like a little bit distant I'm like do you want to go do something she's like oh maybe and then I'm finally at her house one day (laughs) and I'm like I can tell something's up what's the matter and you're like you know like don't worry about it and I'm like what's the problem because she actually I think you had told me you had something you need to tell me but then by the time I saw you, you were like, no, don't worry about that. Like you were ready to break up with me when you sent me a message. Right. But by the time I saw you, the timeline had changed. And you're like, now's not the time to break up with you, but break up with Danny. But then I was like, no, I know something's wrong. What is the, What's the matter? What's the matter? And part of me was hoping it wasn't you going to break up with me, but that's what it was. And I was literally like, why don't you come out and say it? <laughs> and then she was like, fine. I don't think we should see each other anymore. And I was like, fine. I don't remember how I reacted, but I wasn't like totally devastated because I, I was devastated for sure, but I wasn't like, I knew it was coming basically. However, and I don't know how Matt Thiessen was when he wrote this song, but I was an awful boyfriend the first time we went out. I was super clingy. I was <laughs> like, I was, I did not know how to go from like really great friendship to boyfriend like I had always seen other people try to do that and fail and I was like and I was always I thought I had to figure it out I'm like when you go from (laughs) friend to boyfriend you just stay friends you just keep being friends but it's more subtle than that there's like a there's some there's a difference and I didn't understand that at the time but also I didn't really do that I'm just gonna plead the fifth (laughs) (laughs) but it all worked out it all worked out in the end no it was you were very sweet, and I had had very, I had had very different relationships in the past, where I was I was not used to being with someone who was quite so affectionate. <laughs> <laughs> so, thirty six text messages in one day, and seven calls Shut a day up. was a little much. And this was not now, mind you. We all are like, oh, yeah, 36 texts. I totally do that in a day. This was back when you had flip phones and you had to press the number pad to spell out words. So I could do that kind of texting really fast. You're going you're gonna to blame me for it? No, I was... I love you. I love you, too. I was clingy. And, and I... And, I we, and we... And, like, you were... You know, it all worked out. It all worked out because you know it what? It needed we... to happen. I know it needed to happen. And the thing is, once in a while... I bring up this story only because it works at a perfect timestamp for some other story I'm telling. Like, I'm telling some other story. I'm like, oh, this would have been like a month or two after you broke up with me. And then Jessica gets mad at me. Danny's stories always have a timestamp of before we met, before we dated, when you broke up with me, and then everything after. Right. 
So yeah. And, but it did need to happen because you know what? We both walked away and we both grew mm-hmm. as people. Yep. And apart. we weren't. We weren't even broken up for a year. No. It no, was, it was like six or seven months, I think. Well, and then now we let's got back at, together. Now let's look at when Knocked Up came Oh, out. there we go. <laughs> because all you have to do... Oh, it was just... Wait. Oh. It might have been just short. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It was 11. It was about 10, 11 months. Oh, really? Because I thought it was seven. Knocked Up came out on June 1st, 2007. And Clark's 2 came out on July 21st, 2006. But we dated for a month and a half. You're right. You're right. Or two months. The first time. I don't know. I didn't write down the date when you broke up with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think we dated for like two months I burnt everything else that you ever gave me. (laughs) In a shoebox in a derelict warehouse. He didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. But yeah, so it all worked out in the end. But now I have a much better connection and understanding of this song. Because it's like, why don't you come out and say it? And she did. And I was like, why don't you go back and unsay that? And she was like, I can't. And I was like, fine. We'll break up and we'll get married someday. Um, Look, not every 19-year-old girl wants to hear on their first date that you want to be. No, 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 no. (laughs) We're not putting that in the podcast. No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) You you can join. You've dated somebody before. No, I don't. No, I don't. You're the only person I ever dated, and we'll put that in the podcast. I don't mind everyone knowing that. (laughs) Well, maybe it's worse. I'm stopping you from saying that, but I don't want. That's so embarrassing. Uh, no. It's yeah. I was in love with you. Well, if you want to know what it was I said to Jessica that I'm too embarrassed to let out right now, you can join our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash SadieHawkinsPod. It wasn't upsetting. It was a very sweet thing that a 19-year-old girl, when it you've was. only been dating for a day or two, doesn't want to hear. Maybe maybe it's something you want to hear after a year or two. Maybe it's something you want to hear right before a marriage proposal. Maybe it's equal to a marriage proposal, but you had a 19-year-old girl... <laughs> Dating a 22-year-old doesn't want to hear that 23-year-old. Is that problematic? That's not problematic. (laughs) Recording in, like, 90-degree weather Mm. is such a bad idea. (laughs) So moving on. So pressing on. Um, Yeah, this song is, it's, like, the most relatable song (laughs) for, for that reason, for me. But um, I never had to come right out and say it. I mean, outside of you and I, where I was. You were the one who had to come right out and say it. (laughs) All the rest of the times, it was like I got dumped and I was just like completely blindsided by it. Yeah. Um, I didn't find any people's like genius.coms or songmeanings.com. Did you find songmeanings.com for this? Oh, I sure did. Because uh, I'm wondering, did you find people who thought this was some sort of metaphor for Christ or the second coming again? Like As a matter of fact. Because again, this is just a relationship song. This is a crossover mainstream hit. This is, I don't see any religious allegory in this song. It doesn't make sense, but I'm interested to hear if other people felt differently. So Hobo Joe 333. Yep. 12 years ago. Okay. Said, 
personally, I think it's about witnessing to someone that just won't listen. Particularly the, but later on, after I'm gone, you'll wish that you had listened to me. It just seems apt. And... <laughs> mm, well, well, you know what? Uh, is there more to it? Well, to Let's... follow that up... Because... Aki Sack? Mm-hmm. Reply to that. Lyric-wise, this song reminds me of From End to End a little, and I guess I would support Ho Ho Joe's <laughs> theory. Hobo Ho Joe's. <laughs> First of all, I don't want to hear a religious theory on this song from someone who has half the number of the beast in their name. <laughs> but I would say that that theory, while I don't agree with it, I can give some leeway and a little bit more understanding to that idea that someone would have that idea. When you try to put a religious allegory on the one that I'm waiting for, I just flat out, this is just so clearly about someone's feelings for another human, for another person, like someone's Mm -hmm. romantic feelings for another person. It's so clearly not a religiously themed song, even in a masked way. This one, I feel the same way about. But maybe it's because there's less pronouns in this song. Maybe it's because it doesn't paint the same kind of picture for the specific. I, you know, I, I basically I'm just saying that the, I would I would give that I would give that a little bit more credit. Uh-huh. Like I wouldn't give it credibility, but I give it credit. I'm like I don't see it, but if someone sees it that way, right? There's a few more fine. people on here who who reference witnessing. Okay, I mean I'd have to think about it. So basically, they're saying. That someone is trying to teach another person about Christ, and I'm working through their theory here. I'm like, right. so, so, because the song is <laughs> like, and I don't like making songs too literal, but again, I just hear a very specific idea put forward, a feeling of one to one from what the song is supposed to be into my head. It seems like it is about a guy who is talking to his girlfriend or his relationship, his romantic relationship. And they are saying to him, they are holding something back. And he says, I know something's wrong. There's something you want to say. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just come out and say it? Because the truth might hurt, but it'll be, it'll do us better. It'll do us both better to just deal with yeah. it now and not just string it along. Yeah. Right? So that's what the song, I believe, is absolutely about. Now, here are the lyrics. Okay. <laughs> I better rest my eyes because I'm growing weary of this point you've been trying to make. So rather than imply, why don't you just verbalize all the things that you're trying to say? See, that makes it tougher for me to think it's about witnessing to someone about Christ. Someone references the I better rest my eyes part. Uh Uh-huh. I don't... Does that have biblical implications? I mean, if people need to rest their eyes... Uh, Yeah. God created eyeballs. Yeah. So I suppose it goes back to that. But no, it's like a guy who's totally worn out emotionally because they've been fighting but neither of them are saying what they really feel yeah so that's so right off the bat this first paragraph i feel doesn't fit this theory that it's somehow an allegory for witnessing about christ because it's like who's who needs to rest their eyes the person who's not who doesn't believe in christ or the person who's witnessing and does believe in christ who needs to rest their eyes like oh I've been trying to witness to you and get you saved. I need to rest my eyes because I'm growing weary of this point you're trying to make about atheism. Right. It would be very it, accusatory right. if that was what it was about. Or it would be from the point of view 
of the person who doesn't believe in Christ. So it's like, I got to rest my eyes because you've been talking to me about Christ all day and I just can't put up with this point you're trying to make. Either way, it makes it a really combative song. It in a much more, Like, Come Right On Say It as a relationship song is almost like, it's almost like a, it's sad, right? But it's it's almost like, it's a very it's true dramatic. feeling. It's, it's very dramatic. true yeah. and dramatic and honest. It's almost like both of them need to find bravery in their relationship to deal with it. It's something that almost anyone who's ever been in a relationship can relate to. Yeah. Because it doesn't even have to be about a breakup. It could just be that, like, you're arguing with someone or you've been having, you know, some relationship issues and you're like, I wish that you just come out right out and say exactly what you mean. Yeah. Instead of beating around the bush. Right. But when you make this about witnessing to someone about Christ... It becomes combative and like yeah. not hopeful. Basically, what I was thinking was it almost becomes th- anti-Christian. Yeah, I, even though this is a breakup song, like how I what I said about um, mm-hmm as an album, how a lot of it is about much more uh, desperate and upsetting themes. Mm-hmm. But Matt Thiessen and Reliant K, they have such a hopeful spin on everything that they can take those sort of like more upsetting ideas about pain and hurt and death and taxes and all that stuff and they can make it more hopeful and every song on that while you know slightly more desperate is hopeful this song again is about a breakup but in a way i hear it and i hear a hopefulness like we are going to have one of the worst times in our life working through this breakup right now but somehow it's something about the music something about maybe later in the song and the lyrics is like they're both gonna get through it and they're both going to learn to grow apart and they're going to learn to maybe hopefully respect each other again someday you know like there's a hopefulness to it when you make it about witnessing in christ and his two people combatively fighting with each other it's like well there's not you're not even implying like a middle ground when you make it about that you're not saying that either person is understanding the other person so it makes it a, a much more dark song especially when you stop and you look at the chorus of this song it's very much about a relationship here's a line thought i could make up your mind you had a decision locked up so tight no christian trying to get someone else to convert to christianity should i mean they might actually feel this or think this if they're not thinking of it properly but no one's going to openly say i thought i could make up your mind to believe in christ that's such an awful way to look at it. there are def- i'm sure there are people who think about not just in christianity but in all religions like are like i want to force you to be part of my religion i mean that's what wars right. <laughs> that's what causes yeah. religious wars but like no band no like no christian work of art would ever i feel like admit in this way it's like i'm gonna make up your mind and i'm gonna make <laughs> you believe in my religion like that's so aggressive that's that i really don't think that this fits at all Yeah, the chorus, why don't you come right out and say it? Even if the words are probably going to hurt, I'd rather have the truth than something insincere. And why don't you come right out and say it? What is is your thinking? Though I'm thinking it's not what I want to hear. That that completely negates the theory that it's about witnessing or testifying or any of that to anyone. Because again, like in order to do that, it would have to be, it would have to be from the point of view of the, 
person who doesn't believe in Christ. Right. Right. So, so like you could make a, you could make an argument that the person who doesn't believe in Christ, but maybe wants to is being, is being witnessed to. And they're like, why don't you just go ahead and say that my soul is going to hell or whatever. It's going to hurt to hear. Why don't you say that I've been sinning and all this stuff. It's going to hurt to hear, but I'll like, you could say, you could write a similar song on that, but all the other stuff around this makes again makes it too much like an attack and every other reliant k song that has been written about christianity has never taken that standpoint right i mean on the first album they get a little accusatory a little accusatory towards like sin and like miss miss and you know when we get to those songs like maybe mislabeling what things are sin and what and when when you feel guilt and how much guilt you feel like things that maybe we don't necessarily Jessica and I don't necessarily agree with right. on some how some Christians might feel about those topics of sin and stuff but they're still not attacking anyone through yeah. like trying to convert them or yeah. or whatever yeah i mean marilyn manson ate my girlfriend is like the prime <laughs> example where it's like it's like this person used to believe in Christ, now they believe in sin, right? Like, that's way too strong. But also, that was 2000, and this is 2007, and Reliant K has grown so much since then that they haven't had another one of those kinds of songs Right. that I just, I can't see it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really, I mean, I like that. It's interesting. I mean, I like it as a discussion topic, but I don't agree (laughs) with the idea in general. I mean, although that is um, an issue that I have with people who go out trying to convert others, I've always had sort of a more laid back approach to my faith and Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the churches that we grew up in. Yeah. The churches you grew up in as a kid. Very open, very loving. Very open and sort of like just finding other people through conversation and through community Whereas I actually, I went to a number of different types of Christian churches. Like I actually went to, I don't know, I went to, throughout my life, I went to a lot of different denominations. So I've actually had sort of like, (laughs) sort of like a sampling board of, of what kind of attitudes different Christian denominations take towards converting and witnessing and like aggressively, you know, going down the street and like preaching directly to people and then other people who are like just you know it's just your neighbors and your friends like just lead by example like I've, I've seen mm-hmm. every side of it whereas Jessica really only had I'm, I don't mean to speak for you at this point but I'm I know we've talked about this in the past you've had you were kind of raised in one sort of church setting and so you have one very sort of lead by example point yes, of view yeah. on Christianity whereas I do understand because I went to these type of churches at different points in my life the aggressive witnessing concept of Christianity. Right. So I can see how people who have been raised in those type of churches or even personally do have that belief might actually see that in this song. You know, everyone is saying Gabo this and Gabo that, but nobody's saying (laughs) worship this and Jericho that. It's true. Maybe their just shoes can clear this up for us. Okay. 12 years ago, their just shoes said... This is a really awesome song. I love it a lot. I can really relate to it. It seems like people often express the exact same sentiments towards me. It made me realize that sometimes hiding behind a mask of smiles and whatevers isn't always incredibly happy for the people I'm talking to. And sometimes what they really want is my opinion. 
I don't, I didn't quite follow. <laughs> but they're not talking about relationships. They're just talking about like opinions and conversation. Well, they're talking about relationships, but okay. not just with girls, with everyone. <laughs> I see. <laughs> now you speak in my language. Dag underscore 102 said, this is the first I really listened to. I knew the promo was another. Anyway, it's really, really good. They always choose their words to speak their minds. It's awesome. They do. Not overwrought, completely honest, and you can feel what they sung about, in this case, a breakup. Here, there you go. What was his name? Dag underscore 102. Dag underscore 102 came right out and said it, said it, and I agree. They do choose their words. You know, this song actually helped some people, Danny. Did it? It did. Alicia Marie 2007 said, I'm going to have to say this is one of those amazing songs that will speak to almost any situation. It's helping me make an enormous relationship decision right now. Reliant K is amazing. They are one of my go-to bands for when I'm feeling down or I'm in a less than happy situation. The other band being the Goo Goo Dolls. Beautiful, full of wisdom, and showing an incredible amount of love for God. The Goo Goo Dolls do show an incredible amount of love for God. I love the Goo Goo Dolls. I actually really like them. I don't think I, I don't. Know, I, I don't know any Goo Goo Doll songs. You know, um, you know. Um, I, but am I gonna have to sing a song to you? I don't want to have to yeah. name slide. You know the song from uh, from Angels and Airwaves. No, what's it called? Angels in America. No, what's nope. it called? It's called um, Nick Cage is an angel, and that oh. dumb lady rides her bike <laughs> off a mountain or whatever. City of Angels. City of Angels. Yep, where we live. City of Angels. Yeah. yeah. Remember that movie? Remember the theme song to that song to that movie? No. You know Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Black Balloon. That's my favorite Goo Goo Doll song. You know Black Balloon. No. Baby's Black Balloon I makes do, her fly. I do know Balloon Ride though by Reliant K. <laughs> that, that's the connection. There you go. <laughs> when we talk about Balloon Ride, we definitely have to talk about Black Balloon by Goo Goo Dolls. Although for a balloon ride, I've been trying to convince Jessica that we actually need to record the podcast <laughs> on a balloon ride, like up in the sky over like San Francisco or something. Won't it be so noisy though? Because they have to like do the sh- they have to like shush the 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 fire up into the thing to keep it afloat. Yeah, but we'll see everything from up there. <sighs> that is true. We could do it from a plane. That's we could see everything from up there too. No, but that's not a balloon. I guess. It's- this is the first song that in my Google deep dives, I found the most lyric conversions for. Into other languages? Yeah. Yeah, I found those on YouTube as well. You found these like as, as like uh, posts, as blog posts or whatever? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. The, the, other, the other songs we've covered so far have had that, mm-hmm. but this one has been the, the widest range of languages that I've seen. Right. Maybe that's just the the reach of this album and how it was such a huge seller. Yeah, I think so. And more people around the world, or more pe- even just more people in America or wherever the album sold well, there's more people there that speak more languages. So. Yeah, this this was their top selling album, which yeah. I always think it's mm-hmm, but it's not. It, it is um, it is uh, five score. Yeah, I found a lot of those YouTube videos. In fact, if that could lead us into the things I did find on YouTube. Ooh, let's do it. Yep, yeah, I do find those uh, lyric they're. Often just a YouTube video or like a slideshow of the band. Uh-huh. And then they have the translated lyrics sort of as subtitles. I find a lot of those videos, but I've never brought them to the podcast mm-hmm. because what are we going to talk about with them? But 
Yeah, you're right. There were a lot of those on YouTube. Uh, but before we get to that, before we get to that, here is the band. We start with. We'll start like usual with um, the band itself with things that I found on YouTube. All right. Here is and again, just like I found with the last two albums, there's a lot of people shooting videos on tours with their camera with their phone cameras and the audio is almost always blown out right so it's like not worth us listening to right finally for this one i figured out okay i need to look for people's youtube videos from tours where they recorded their favorite song where they're further back because whenever i get these front row videos it's like there's nothing for us to listen to so this one they're way back so the audio is a little bit better we only have we have about one minute and twenty seconds of come right out and say it from a hometown show in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, this song's a headbanger. I was yeah. just like bopping my head along. <laughs> Actually, everyone in this crowd is moving to this song. Yeah. It's great. 2014 is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. 2014. Yep. Yeah. This is definitely a, a get up and move kind of song. Yeah. And I like Matt Thiessen sort of like lagging the lyrics back mm-hmm. a little bit on purpose, like not hitting the time exactly right. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. I always love that. <laughs> With any band, if you purposely kind of like hold back the lyric and you... Yeah. I bet this would be a really nice song done acoustically. It's kind of slowed down. Well, I did find acoustic covers. Oh. I didn't find any official acoustic covers. Okay. Which was surprising, to be honest. I would think this would be a, one that the band themselves would have played acoustic, but um, before we get to that... Um, we have one more sort of official, official-ish video, and that is, uh, this one is from our buddy, John Schneck. I don't know if I'm being uncool at pointing this out, <laughs> but so far, the only member of the band that we know is following us on Twitter, at least, is John Schneck, and this is the album he joined on, and we found, I, I was like, oh, hey, look at this. In 2008, he uploaded a video of himself giving a tutorial on how to play this song. That's so cool. Yeah, he's been very he's been very cool, yeah. very nice. Yeah. He's been very supportive of the podcast so far. All right. I like that blues oh, opening. Hey there. What's up? This is John from Reliant K and um been getting a lot of email requests um asking how to play certain songs of ours and uh, I don't have the tab written down for them, so to show you so uh yeah here we go i appreciate that in this video from even this video from an official band member in 2008 Mm -hmm. he still goes for the slightly cursed video style of 2008 (laughs) (laughs) where he wasn't exactly framed up i mean wherever he's recording in is lit properly so there it is not that cursed but he, he like his full face wasn't in the frame. Yeah, because so is... you have to show the fretboard and what all you yeah, need to be hitting. I know. That makes sense. Okay, uh, the first song I want to show you is uh, the bridge riff to "Come Right Out and Say It." 
um, from five score and seven years ago. Um, I've gotten a lot of emails asking how to play that uh, riff um, going into the bridge there. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, riffs that Matt wrote on the record. And uh, first thing I should say is that it's uh, we tuned down a half step and it's uh, in drop D or drop C sharp. Ooh, drop D. So, uh, Getting I'll funky. Play the right speed and then I'll break it down and show you guys how to play it. Did you want to watch more of this, or you, you got the idea? I mean, we should watch this whole video later. I know. I'm like, I'm going to go watch this whole video later. <laughs> Make I'm our really own excited. cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, this video is five minutes, but uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and it's nice to hear it's kind of broken down like mm -hmm. that. Actually hear that riff. I love it when members of the band do videos where they show you, like, how to play yeah. their songs. That's really nice, because it's... Other than that, it's always just people guessing how it's done, like mm -hmm. like just just tooling around with the song right. and being like, okay, this is how I think it makes this, and I think this is what does that. I really like it when a member of the band does it. There's a video of Tom Wisniewski from MXPX that he for Guitar.com, mm -hmm. right? And this video existed before YouTube, so I probably saw it in like Real Player. Like I probably had to download it or watch it streaming, like embedded in the in the in Guitar.com, mm -hmm. and. I don't think he talks about like how to play any MXPX song specifically, but he just talks about his guitar technique and how he learned to play it. But that video, they guitar.com apparently still exists and they put it in like an archive on their YouTube channel. I finally oh, saw it again. Cool. I'm like, Oh, this is great. Cause this is like early internet and I'm like reliving it. Cause so much early internet stuff is just dead mm -hmm. and gone. And I was like, Oh, this video, that video is where I learned about the descendants. Cause oh. nobody ever came along to me and said, check out the descendants. But it was Tom Wisniewski talking about, you know, how he got interested in guitar and what styles he was trying to, like, do in his own guitar work. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, The Descendants, and he probably mentioned some other bands, but it was like, oh, yeah, check out The Descendants. Maybe I'd seen some tattoos and shirts. Nice. But in the 90s and the early 2000s, like, before you have Napster or whatever, you can't really check out bands easily. Especially, mm -hmm. like, I probably didn't even have a car yet. I couldn't just, like, oh, The Descendants are playing. Let me go to their concert and check them out. So I was like, no, I need, to, I definitely need to check them out. I'll love them because Tom Wisniewski said I would. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched um, Phil Collin from Def Leppard do a lot of these for, like, different um, guitar companies. Did he have his shirt on? <laughs> probably not. And he doesn't need one. There aren't any other sessions or alternate versions of this song that I found but I did find as I mentioned before the Nightcore version and so I guess you hadn't heard of Nightcore before I barely know what it is but it's basically just a sped up song it's basically just the song any song it, there's Nightcore versions of everything right. out there and I don't know if Nightcore is a very specific percentage of the song sped up or what but it's a sped up version of the song. It's usually accompanied with some sort of anime art. Um, I get that there's an appeal to it because when I was a kid and I was first experimenting with like my early PC on the internet, mm -hmm. I would make wave files of songs and like run them backwards and like splice them up 
and speed them up. I did all this kind of stuff for fun, but I kind of I didn't find out for years later that lots of other people were doing that, and that it actually you know these movements, these memes have names, and in this case, it's called Nightcore. So I sent that to you if you want to come right out and play it. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? <laughs> Let family fun reign with a McDonald's happy. <laughs> it's an ad for the. Thanks so, a lot, Danny. Disney's going to sue us now. Oh, man, you're right. I better rest my eyes because I'm growing weary of this point you've been trying to make. So rather than imply, why don't you just verbalize all the things that you're trying to say? Man, this girl's great. Who is this? <laughs> uh, that's yeah. So I I get the idea. <laughs> I thought it was a hamster singing. Um, so yeah, I get like Nightcore just kind of is like you kind of see something else in the song when mm-hmm. it's sped up, and I guess like the anime part of it is maybe anime music is a lot faster. <laughs> maybe it makes it almost more anime esque. Um, because we missed it before actually. Real quick, here's the nightcore of pressing on. There's not a nightcore for every song, and in fact, we could just make nightcore songs for everything if we wanted to. But in terms of things that are on YouTube at the time, I forgot to play nightcore for pressing on. Let's get some lyrics in a second. That's great. That made it. It makes it like skate punk. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah total instrumental version of that would just be like skate punk right i think sometimes nightcore you can't really even play it that fast though in real life oh yeah (laughs) so i just wish there were 8-bit versions of everything yeah i didn't find an 8-bit version of this now we can get into covers, and we have. I like this one. I gotta send you the video for this one. Okay. Um, All right, guys. I'm gonna do a voice cover of "Come Around and Say It" by Reliant K, and I hope you love it. Oh, it's Bobby Moon. We met Bobby Moon previously. Oh yeah. He was on a uh, on a uh, chapstick, chap lips, and things like chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Does I not love... know how to turn the camera to the other no. side. <laughs> the camera. <laughs> Is completely turned to the wrong direction. And I don't even... I don't know if he's recording on a phone. It's in portrait mode. Yeah. But he's sideways. But also the video is uploaded in widescreen. At least for me. Is it, is, does it look like... It? Maybe that's the, the... Yeah. No, yeah. It's uploaded in a widescreen format. But then there's a square actual image in the middle that he's got to Jessica's tilting her head. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. First return cover person and he's just gonna do a vocal cover he's not gonna play those chords that he figured out on his own all right i better rest my eyes because i'm grown weary of 
That's one banging cover. Did you did you see his movements? I did. Yeah. He's like bouncing. He's doing a shimmy. his head. Bobby Moon is awesome. Bobby Moon is high energy assault. <laughs> he's banging his head to this part of the song. Good job, Bobby. So like I said, I did find covers for this. It, it took some digging. They didn't come up right away. Um... Actually, you probably don't need to click this. It's just a SoundCloud, but I will play this by Alicia Ann Denning. I mean, I sent you the link so at least you can see her picture. It's cute. Looks country-ish from the picture. She's like wearing jeans, got her acoustic guitar, sitting on a porch, sitting up on the banister of a porch. Let's see what she sounds like. Oh, and this is, like I said before, a bunch of these covers we're going to cold listen to together because... I was researching in front of you, and I didn't mm. want to spoil the surprise for you. There's so. some hay in the background there, on the porch. Oh yeah, there is. I better rest my eyes, cause I'm growing weary There's a, there's a like a. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not complaining because our podcast has the refrigerator and stuff in the background, <laughs> but there's some sort of digital interference right off the bat. What have you been trying to make? So rather than imply, why don't you just verbalize? All the things that you're trying to say that this would turn out so well But I'm beginning to see that instead it's trouble Into a pattern we fell A prolonging the inevitable Why don't you come out and say it? Even if the words are probably gonna hurt I'd rather have the truth than something insincere Why don't you come out and say, come out and say pretty i like yeah. that alicia yeah that was good so then the next one we've got is alexandra z hardcore alexandra z h c wait h x c so i don't know if that means this is a hardcore cover or what Ooh. let's find out again i didn't listen to this we're gonna hear it together oh man so hardcore <laughs> It's my favorite song from Juno. <laughs> so many Juno covers so many. of Relan K. <laughs> yeah. So That's a, oh, whoa, uh, uh, SoundCloud. So yeah, that was, she cut it down to just a minute long. She just basically did the brevity. Oh, that was the full thing. Yeah, that was her full version of the song. It was called, yeah, dot, dot, come right out and say it. Nice. 
I liked the vocals. She sounded like, oh, who is that girl that I liked a lot a few weeks ago with the... Uh, oh, with the cover we... of... Uh, oh, uh, Ruthie. Ruthie. Hold on. Let me look. Uh, Ruthie Vaughn was who did yeah. the cover of Chapstick. And then we listened to her Lana Del Rey cover. Yeah. Yeah. She has a similar thing. This this girl had a similar thing going on with her voice. Yeah. You like those heartfelt, sort of downbeat vocal female vocals. Yeah. Very sort of indie. Yes. Sort of like could be set to some sort of like uh, coming of age millennial <laughs> Exactly. Movie. Let's see what else we have. There is another and. There's a lot of ands because there was... Uh, Elisa Ann Denning, and now there's Ann Reburn. Oh no, you know what? This is a cover of Must Have Done Something Right, so <laughs> I don't know why I. It's still fun. It is. I think we'll get a lot of covers for that one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I, I must have come up, you know, um, yeah, it must have come up in a search, but that is not the correct song. So let's see. We also have Cardboard Democracy. Again, name. with must have done something right. Oh, is it come right out and say it? Oh, you know what? I wrote come right out and say it. And then the search results like, oh, did you mean must have done something right? Because it has the same word in the cover. And it has the same word in the title. So, nope. Uh, you know what? I found less covers than I thought. Because <laughs> I was looking for covers and there weren't a lot around. I didn't know, I didn't understand. I thought there would be more covers than that. So eventually on Bandcamp and SoundCloud, I started finding them and I got too excited because they were all must have done something right. Here's what I think might be the, so yeah, here, so here's the last cover then that I actually have, which isn't must have done something right. This is, come right out and say it, performed by Silas Storm in 2013. And this one's kind of, this one I did watch ahead of time. He's playing a guitar, but he kind of plays it in a ukulele style. So it's sort of a backdoor ukulele cover. I better rest my eyes, cause I'm growing weary of This point you've been trying to make, so rather than imply Why don't you just verbalize all the things that you're trying to say Thought this would turn out so well But I'm beginning to see that instead it's trouble Into a pattern we fell Prolonging the inevitable Why don't you come right out and say it? Even if the words are probably gonna hurt I'd rather have the truth than something insincere Why don't you come right out and say it? Come right out and say What it is you're thinking Though I'm thinking it's not what I want to hear I'm So that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Actually, he put a little stank on it. He just got a little like, uh, like if there's a little drum beat going. It's like, why don't you come right out and say? I like that. He actually, that's the first one that really sort of added something to the song. Whereas a lot of the other heartfelt acoustic versions kind of stripped the song down. He he kind of added a little extra to it. And I'm not just being nice for the sake of being nice. I actually feel that way about this one. Sure. <laughs> You just looked at me like, yeah, you're out of your mind. Well, there's also, this does not count as a cover, but apparently there's a Buffalo Springsteen song. No, a Buffalo uh, Buffalo Springfield, Springfield song. Okay, I was going to say, I'm not familiar with Buffalo Springsteen. <laughs> Is that a band that just plays 
Springsteen and Buffalo Springfield covers because that would be a great crossover band right there. It would be, and they could play Do I Have to Come Out and Say It? What just happened? SoundCloud again. <laughs> Decides how much it's going to play for you. So that's that. Uh, Man, I was really getting into that. I was like, yeah. we just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yesterday. I, I was getting into the vibe. Then there is this. This is the last. Th- I thought you only had the one cover left. No, 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 no. There's done covers now. These are other things that have similar titles. Oh, okay. And I found a lot of stuff with other similar titles. But the only two I felt like playing were Buffalo Springsteen. I know I said it wrong that time. <laughs> and this pop punk band called What Comes Next? Come Right Out and Say It. ahead a little bit. This band isn't sure if it's 2005 or 1986. Exactly. See, maybe that guy who wote that article about how Relying K would have been more popular if only they were from Southern California Ugh. and how they ripped off Blink-182. Maybe he was actually thinking of the band What Comes Next. <laughs> Maybe he'd actually, someone was like, oh, you should write an article about Reliant K. He's like, who's Reliant K? He's like, oh, they, they have that song, Come Right Out and Say It. And he did a little Google search and he found this band, Come Right Out and Say It. Oh, this must be, he forgot Reliant K. He's like, oh, this must be the band they were talking about. Um, that's, yeah, so that's it for covers and songs that happen to be similar titles. So this week we again have, and I always say AMV because it means anime music video. It means you take a song and you splice mm-hmm. together a bunch of clips from anime that you like. Right. But I use AMV for meaning any sort of fan edit of popular things because when I used to search AMVs because I thought it was so cool, <laughs> you'd see a lot of live action non-Japanese anime mixed in on those sites. So I just think of everything as an AMV. AMVs are great and all, but they're nothing like AFVs. <laughs> America's Funniest Videos. Exactly. Uh, well, you, I mean, you want to watch any of these? There's one for Twilight. There's one for the Naked Brothers Band. <laughs> there's one for Hannah Montana. There's one for Naruto, which is an actual A. Um, but then there's one for your fandom, Jessica. Oh. There you go. I just sent it to you. <laughs> it's for Star Wars, the prequels. <laughs> Thanks for blowing up my spot, Dan. Yeah, I know. It's for... Because... Uh, because when you think about it... When you think about it... Oh my gosh, why? When you think about it, when Anakin Skywalker killed Padme, it was basically like Padme was like, why don't you just come right out and say it? And so Anakin was like, sure. And then he choked her to death. Okay, he didn't kill Padme, uh, Danny. He, no, you're right. She just sustained... She just... No, she died from just being... A, she just died from a broken heart right after yes. giving birth. Yes, yes. Which even though she was supposed to be alive when Princess Leia has memories of her. Yeah. Apparently that was a lie. Yeah. I love that this goes from sad Padme into youngling with Anakin's lightsaber <laughs> coming out. <laughs> and then just into him in Sith mode. 
It is the best Star Wars movie, that's for sure. What's funny is that this wasn't even my ship. I, I, was, <laughs> I was in love <laughs> Your with... ship was you and Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> so true. Because I was in love with Anakin Skywalker. And man, I... Uh, I wrote not one, but two songs about my love of Anakin Skywalker I think you wrote one of Didn't you write... No, oh, they're both in high school. I thought you yeah. wrote one of them when you had met me already. Oh, I did because you know, we had a class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd met you yet or not. Maybe I had... We had a class where we had to learn, like, Pro Tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we had to make, like, a song in it. Right. And I made made one for my love, Anakin Skywalker. I had previously done one in high school, though, that was probably more clever. People were clamoring clever. for the follow-up. Oh, man. <laughs> were they ever. The second one was a little more risque, too. And to be honest, <laughs> that's about it. That's all I have. I was not going to say, and to be honest, that's the moment I knew I was going to marry you. <laughs> that's the moment I knew you were going to be... Now they don't have to subscribe to the Patreon. Oh, uh, maybe we'll bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't call me out on my other fandom, though. I'm really, I'm really happy about that. We really missed our calling as people that upload creepy videos to YouTube, <laughs> set to Reliant K stuff. We could have put a Reliant K song in there. It would have been great. There's a whole world of it, and we're in, we're discovering it every week here on Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> it's true. And that's about it for Come Right Out and Say It. I feel like we gave you something sincere, which was better than the truth, which might have hurt. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know if I messed up those lyrics, but you get what I'm saying. It is so hot. Thank you for bearing with us on this incredibly hot day. Jessica's computer overheated at some points. Not just the host, but the actual equipment is overheating. Yeah. It's it's sitting on top of a, a large... um cooling block right now not a cooling block like a piece of technology that cools no. your computer off but an actual oh. block of ice for like putting on on, on you know sh- swollen shoulders i put it under jessica's computer yep so we will check you out <laughs> <laughs> so stay cool out there folks <laughs> and we will catch you next week happy summer <laughs>